Amen. So, um, you would remember in the first session, we introduced our topic, Biblical Perspective of Supportive Ministries, of Supportive Ministry, and um, we said we're going to start by answering the question, what is the supportive ministry? But before that, we will look at three, um, three things by way of a foundation. Remember for the first one, we said... Um, um, we said there are two sides to our relationship with God and that we need to be balanced. When we are not balanced, we will most likely stretch things that are true, that are supposed to be for our benefit. We'll take them too far and they will now be counterproductive. Then we looked at the expression, everything rises and falls on leadership. We said it is mostly true. It is true most of the time, but there are a few times when some followers just decide to um, not to cooperate, you know. And then we also spoke about the concept of loneliness in leadership. We said many leaders are lonely because they know that there is an extent to which they can depend on those following them. It's just a, it's just a truism in life. People tend to... You know, they even say it's nothing succeeds like success. So as long as you are doing well, as long as you don't exceed some parameters, you have people who will stick with you. But there are some times when things don't go well, and then you realize that um, those people you thought you could depend on, that you can't depend on them anymore. So um, let's move on now to consider that question, what is the supportive ministry? Um, the first answer that we might give to that is that the supportive ministry is everything that is not um, everything that is not pulpit ministry. That's one answer. Everything that is not pulpit ministry. What is pulpit ministry? Very simple definition. I don't think you may not find it in the dictionary like that, but we can describe pulpit ministry as ministry that you do from behind a pulpit. So um, another way of putting it is anything that is not fivefold ministry. Um, what do we mean by fivefold ministry? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So those are fivefold ministry gifts, and we could describe um, supportive ministry as everything that is not fivefold um, ministry gifts. So we have people in the church who help those that are called to the fivefold ministry gifts, and then we call them supportive ministers. But, you know, if you look at that description that it is everything that is not fivefold ministry gifts, there is something that is just a little wrong with it, just a little. And I'll explain it this way. Um, in a church, you may have a pastor who is the lead pastor, senior pastor. Different people use different titles for them, but we all know what we mean, like the main pastor, the, some will say the real pastor. <laughs> <laughs> like the others are unreal, yes. But, you know, you have the pastor. Now, you could, 
the assumption typically is that the pastor is called to fivefold ministry. So um, in Nigeria, we tend to call everybody who is in charge of a church. We call all of them pastor, but some are some are called to do something different, but they are also pastor in a church. Now the thing is this. If you have the lead pastor, you could have an associate pastor, an assistant pastor, who is also called to the fivefold ministry gifts, just that they are not a lead pastor, they are assisting someone, or they are an associate pastor. You know, those ones are still supportive ministers. Do you get my point? Just because I'm called to the fivefold ministry gifts, does not mean that I am not a supportive minister. In fact, properly understood, an assistant pastor, an associate pastor, is actually helping the lead pastor in his ministry. I like to say this to assistant pastors, associate pastors, that don't think, oh, we are pastoring this church together. I don't believe that's the biblical sense I th- what the Bible, what I believe the Bible teaches about that is, I am helping my pastor to pastor the congregation. Do we do we get what I'm saying? Yes, because I've met young men that have this agenda of, oh, pastor is not allowing me to express what God has put in my life in this church. Well, you are supposed to help pastor to express what God has put in his. Do do we get what I mean? You are not supposed to come with an agenda. Okay, pastor, let's share it. You will take most of the messages. I will take like 20%. But you see, my 20%, let it be mine truly. That's not the idea. You are here to help him. I'm not sure I said that well, but let's... um, Let's move on. But that reminds me of something I should have said in the previous session. Sometimes in this course, people feel, ah, ah. <laughs> they just brought that guy to come and tell us how bad we are and how good pastor is. Are you feeling like that already? Okay, not yet. <laughs> now, um, you see, this course sounds that way because it is a course really for supportive ministers. If you come to Rema Bible Training Center, we have courses that are for um, pastors, for those who are in fivefold ministry offices. Do we get what I mean? Yes, we have courses like um, spiritual leadership. You know, that one, the the same way we are flogging the supportive ministers in this course and trying to help them to be better. In that one, we are addressing issues, mistakes, things that pastors don't always get wrong. So if we finish this course and we never address things that pastors don't get right, don't think, oh, they are biased. It's because you are attending the course on supportive ministry. If you want to hear them come down hard on pastors, try attending the one on spiritual leadership. Do we get what I mean? There they will, they will deconstruct pastors for you and you say, ah, See how they just pointed out all of my pastor's mistakes. But you see, in this course, this one is about supportive ministry. So that's all we are. So we are not painting it like, oh, 
um, the leaders, the pastors, they never get anything wrong. It's always about the followers. That is just that, you know, each course is addressing a different audience. So let's go back to what we're talking about. We're saying that as an assistant pastor and associate pastor, you are still a supportive minister. You know, you are still a supportive minister. But the truth is that even the lead pastor, the senior pastor, the real pastor, in a sense, he is also a supportive minister. You know, as, a, as the lead pastor, if I don't have any human being that I'm reporting to in that sense, I am pastoring the church on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in that sense, we are all supportive ministers because there is always someone you are supposed to be helping. Even if for you, the only person you are now helping, you've gone so high, the only person you are now helping is Jesus Christ, you are still pastoring the church on behalf of Jesus Christ. So in that sense, all of us really are supportive ministers. Let's look at something the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You are the body of Christ and members in particular. Verse 28 says, And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that uh, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Um... You see, these two verses are very key to to our classes this week and next week. 27 says, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, verse 28 says, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing. Um, you see, I like the way verse 28 starts. It says, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles. You know, the office of apostle is one that has always intrigued me personally. You know? And you can see in Nigeria that a lot of people, we have a lot of people who are using that title now, apostles. Such a nice title. You know, I, I can't even remember how Pastor Paul introduced me, but suppose this morning when we came, suppose I had been introduced as Apostle Jide Lawal. Eh? Pastor Paul, I'm trying to, against next time. Or if, <laughs> now, I'm not saying you have to if you want to. I'm just saying that uh-huh, it's not bad. But just, I'll, just to use as an example, suppose I had been introduced as Apostle Jide Lawal. Talk true. There is a way you would have had more respect for me. <laughs> At least better than if I had come and say, oh, um, it's our privilege to listen to Brother Jide Lawal. Say, ah, and they say we'll be here till one, listening to an ordinary brother. Now, wow. In fact, some people come to meet Pastor Shadia and say, ah, I don't know if you can help us tell Pastor Paul. We know where you can get 
mighty men of God. This one that is brother that we are managing in this church. <laughs> but you see, if they had said apostle, you know, during the break, some people will come to come and meet me and say, ah, well done, sir. Please, I want to ask a question. You know you are, you know you are important when people take permission before asking you questions. <laughs> you, that's when you know you are very important. So, ah, sorry, sir. Um, please, I want to ask a question. You know, and say, please, how do you... How can somebody become an apostle? You know, if you're an apostle, you're expected to know how, how you got there, you know? So suppose the person comes, bows very low and says, how do people become, this apostle thing, I'm interested. Then I say, apostle, ah, no, I just, me, I'm just using the title because I like it. What will happen to that respect that you had for me? It will come down again. And you are even telling me to my face. <laughs> you see, the truth is this. When we hear that someone is an apostle, you know, at the least we expect is that you should at least be able to say, ah, God told me that he is calling me to be an apostle. You get my point? If Paul wrote it, Paul, Paul called himself, Paul, an apostle, not of men. Now, this thing is not just that people start calling me by that title. I'm really an apostle sent of God. And you see, in this portion of the scripture too, he clarifies it. He said, and God hath set some in the church. Who set some in the church? And who did he set in the church? The Bible says, first, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Imagine we have somebody walk a miracle in the church. You saw it with your own two eyes. That this is, it was miraculously, maybe someone that came in on crutches. You know, maybe an amputee just has the amputated leg or arm grow out. You know? your mind, you'll say, man, this is a man of God. They've been talking about real men of God, but I saw one today. Now imagine after that miracle, the person that did it stands up and says, well, what you just saw is not of God. As in the person that walks the miracle himself says, don't think it's the power of God that did it so. You know, immediately people will know. What do I mean by people we know? We are experts at knowing. Ah, from when Pastor Paul introduced him, I knew that he's a false prophet. And most of the time when we know, we always know after the fact. We never say so before. It's always, I just, my spirit just told me that it's not a, why? Because if you are working miracles, we expect that that ability, that enablement, that gifting is of God. The same thing with gifts of healings. Somebody says, ah, well, that guy, he just laid hands on him and he was healed. We expect that person will say, ah, is God who? Do we, do we get what I'm saying? Now, look at that verse again. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, 
After that, miracles, then gifts of healings. What's the next word? Helps. For some reason, we always believe that it is God that set apostles in the church. But we never believe that it is God that set helps in the church. You see, that word there, helps, actually is referring to the ministry of helps. In Nigeria, the most common expression for that ministry is church workers or church volunteers. It's the same thing as supportive ministry. Actually, the expression supportive ministry is not found in Bible. Church workers, church volunteers is not found in Bible. The one that we actually see in Bible is helps. But they all mean the same thing. And the Bible is telling us that the same God who set apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healings in the church is the same people that set helps in the church. For too long, we have looked down on that ministry. You would even see people say, oh, what are you doing in your church now? I'm just an ordinary worker. I'm just an ordinary worker. I tell people, if you would not say, I'm just an ordinary apostle, or I'm just that, you see, if God set helps in the church, then that ministry is not an ordinary ministry. If it is true that God had set in the church, the helps ministry from God's perspective is just as important as any other ministry. In fact, like I said before, most churches that don't do well, it's because of the helps ministry. Most churches. Now, some churches don't do well because of bad leadership. But most churches that are not doing well, go and look at the team behind that pastor. If God had set some in the church and has set some in the ministry of helps and they are not functioning well, we will always have problems. There is no way to avoid it. The ministry of helps is one of the most important in the body of Christ. Think about it. The ministry of helps is the ministry that has the highest number of members in the body. Have you ever thought about that? If they say, let us see all the people that are pastors and assistant pastors in the body of Christ, Pastor Adeboe can host us at Redemption Camp. Have you ever thought about it? If they say every pastor in Nigeria, come with your assistant pastors, they can put all of them in Redemption Camp. But if they say everybody who is in supportive ministry, Come to read. You know, no venue can take us. There is no stadium that can take us. There is no place in Nigeria where you can conveniently assemble everybody in the Ministry of Helps. We are the ones that have the greatest, we are greatest in numbers. And we are the only truly indispensable ministry in the body of Christ. Think about it. This training now, can we... Can we still hold it? Assuming Pastor Paul couldn't make it, can the training go on? Yes. yes. Assuming Pastor Shade couldn't come, can we go on with the training? 
Assuming supportive ministry didn't show up today, can we go on with this training? No. No, we can't. Because for the training to happen, for the training to happen, some people will need to come in and just arrange these chairs. See, if there was no if there was no ministry of helps, no supportive ministry, Pastor Paul would have to wake up very early, show up here, arrange the seats by himself, put on the generator, fuel it, um, go and man the media console. Thank God we are not using choir in this meeting. Assuming it were Sunday service, he will need to lead the singing by himself. He will need to bring in children's church by himself. He would need to play the keyboard, the drums, the conga, everything by himself. He would need to be the one preaching and interpreting at the same time in the Yoruba service. You know? He would be the one to take the offering while leading, while leading a chorus. He would take the offering, count the money. See... Supportive ministry is the truly indispensable ministry in the body of Christ. We can't function without, yet we look down on it so much. But like I said, it's the reason why many churches that are struggling are not doing so well. Because there is nothing in there for the supportive ministry. Sometimes you see some churches where the leaders are always traveling for one training or the other. You know? I saw one flyer recently. Pastors from Nigeria were going to Dubai for a refresher course. Now, you know, I'm not the type that usually judges. If I were the type, I would say, hmm, is it that you can't do this meeting in Lagos? But you know, I'm not the type that usually judges, so I won't say it. But you see, where I was going to is this. Sometimes those churches where the pastor is always going for one training or the other, they don't train the workers in that church. And they want the place. You know, one of the things I noticed about this church, which I liked, was that attention is being paid to training the workforce. Attention is being paid to that. I can testify to that personally. So it's good. But more churches need to do this because many churches that are not doing well, that is where the problem is. Let's go to verse 29 of 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 29, Paul starts to ask some questions. He says, are all apostles? What's the answer to that? Are all prophets, are all teachers, have all, do all work miracles, have all the gifts of healings? Now, let's know the real Bible students. What is he supposed to ask next? How do you know that? Because essentially in verse 29... He was repeating, he was asking those questions and repeating the offices in the same order in which he has, um, he had mentioned them in verse 28. Verse 28, he says, and God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, um, 
After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps. In verse 29, it says, Our all apostles, our all prophets, our all teachers have all, do all work miracles, have all the gifts of healings. But he does not ask if all are helpers. Why is that? Because the answer to all those questions is no, no, no. If he had asked, are all helpers, the answer would need to be yes. All are helpers. I tell people, no matter what ministry you have been called to in the body of Christ, the first ministry we all occupy immediately we get born again is the ministry of helps. What do people that are in the ministry of helps do? I like this answer. Anything that will help. You know, some people in the church seem to think that, they seem to think they are here to do the opposite. Sometimes you see people, it's like they are here to make things more difficult. But the true function of the ministry of helps is to do anything that will help. It may be something that is a really big deal like bringing in a whole lot of money to this church, that would help. It could be something insignificant, like sharing sweets while we are seated here. Whether it's very, very big, very, very, anything that would help is important to the body of Christ. Anything that helps to move us forward Anything that adds value, anything that makes the job of the minister in this church, that makes it easier, is helps. Anything that pushes the leadership, the church, closer to achieving the vision that God has given this church, is helps. You see... We are the ones that look down on the helps ministry. God doesn't look down on it. In fact, from God's perspective, God wants this church to have the best helps ministry in the world. Because it's extremely crucial. It's extremely crucial. We, if we don't have a good team behind the pastor, we may never achieve the purpose for which this church was set up. We may never get there. This church can do well without having an apostle in the church. It can do well without having a prophet. But it cannot do well without helps. It can't. We've painted a picture in which there, are, there is nobody in the health ministry, and we saw how ridiculous it was. But many times, we don't also appreciate that. Even having people who say, I'm a worker in this church, I'm a helper, it still would not be ideal if they don't, you know, go the extra mile. Sometimes you can be there as though you were not there. Sometimes you can be there and you are not adding all the value that you could add. Sometimes you can be there and 
the value you are adding is marginal. Because in the body of Christ, we just tend not to... We, I mean, what we see today, I'm not saying it is that way in this church, but I'm just talking about what I've seen in some ministries. We tend to, whenever something is not branded with our name, sometimes we tend not to put in all the efforts that we could have put in. After all, it is not my own church. I have a friend who are in school together. We pastor together on campus. Now he's the pastor of a branch of a church. The church is somewhere in Satellite Town. They have a lucky branch. And he's doing quite well in that lucky branch. And when they asked him, how are things going? How's your church? He said, oh, everything is, everything is fine, you know. He said, it's just that people can be very discouraging. I said, what do you mean? He said, sometimes when people meet him, they say, oh, how's the church doing? As in people that know he's now a full-time pastor. He say, how's the church doing? He says, fine, excellent. They say, ah, don't stay too long there. You know, you have to start your own. That's when Nigerians talk to him all the time. So he said, a time came when he started to feel like, if I don't start my own, I'm a failure. Do you get, do you get my point? That's the way we think many times in Nigeria. And it's not just in church. Sometimes at work. After all, it's not my own company. If I've seen it before, where a young man is very diligent, say, uh, very soon they will sack him now. When he's not your father's company. Why are you being so... That's the way we think and we talk. But you see, this is God's work. The same way God had sent Pastor Paul to pastor this church is the same way God has sent you to help him. Don't let him be more of a success in his ministry than you are in your own. Don't let him do better at being a pastor than you do at supporting him. Like I've said before, the churches that do, that do so well are those churches where the pastor can be a good pastor, fine. But the team is a very good team. Have you ever noticed it? Let's take an example from football. Suppose you have a football team and then they have a very good striker. And the striker, any match he plays, he must score at least three goals. Will that team always win? Sorry? Why not? You see, if you have a team where they have a star striker that's forgetting any match, he always scores three goals. All you need is to have defenders and goalkeepers that every match they always concede four goals. That's all you need to make sure that team is a failure. So no matter how good the leadership is, if the team behind him is not so good, he will look very ordinary. He will look like he doesn't know what he's doing.
There have been people who are truly gifted of God, who are really sent of God. Now, after a while, people say, are you sure it's God that sent this pastor? Not because of any issues or challenges he has personally, but because of the kind of team that he has. Let's look at Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We'll look at a few verses there as we round off, round up this session. Acts chapter 6. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, Oh, thank you, sirs. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Hallelujah. You know, every time I read this verse, I always feel constrained to point out the significance of a particular word in this verse. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, Notice the word multiplied. It's God's will for us to multiply. You know, there's a difference between addition and multiplication. If you look, if you look at Acts 2, I believe, verse 47, the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily, added, added to the church daily, such as we're being saved. So there's a difference. If you want to, you know, when a church is not very big, Addition looks a lot like multiplication. What's two plus two? What's two times two? So at that point, it doesn't matter whether you are adding or multiplying, you will get the same result. But what's nine plus nine? And what's nine times nine? At that point, you notice that what I just told you now is a secret between small churches and big churches. Small churches grow by adding. Big churches grow by multiplying. Setting up a church in a way that promotes multiplication is much harder than addition. So most people tend to go for addition. But in the long run, when you look back at it, you tend to wish you had gone for multiplication. Now, there's nothing wrong with a church being small. Nothing wrong at all. But... How would I say it now? With every church, you're always going to have problems. Problems come with church. You know, one of the ways for us to solve every single problem we have in this church is for Pastor Paul to say, okay, from today, everybody go home. We are not doing church again. You find that all the problems are solved because people will carry their problems away. We have problems in this church because we have people in this church. Once we don't have people again, these chairs, all this equipment, they won't give us problem. It's the people that are giving us problem. And the, the problem they were having in Acts 6.1, in Nigeria, we would call it tribalism. It was an issue that had to do with ethnicity. You know, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. What were they doing? Every single day, they were sharing food to widows. 
And then those widows who were of the Hellenist Jews, Jews who had um, come back from Greece, they were complaining that you're not sharing, you know, um, people from this part of the country are getting more than people from that other part of the country. You know, I like to tell pastors again, you cannot have a truly unique problem in your church. Any problem you care to mention,